morning. Greeting to each one this morning. All for Jesus, all for Jesus. If we do that, it will make things go much smoother. I appreciated the service thus far. Devotions, one thing stood out to me in the devotions there was about Gideon's humility. That'll fit well with them. We look at here a little bit later. I think it was back in 2019. I had one of the topic suggestions I had written down um, to use possibly sometime was a missions message. The unity of the church. Then uh, January of this year, um, I had written down a long list of Bible references on unity for possible further study. I think that was before I knew was, I was on to preach now. Then we've been meeting, some of the brothers here have been meeting, talking about a possible outreach in the future and what works best for that. Well, here is part of it as well. So as I began studying... I found out that unity of the Spirit is only mentioned one time in the Bible. The word unity is used once more in the New Testament and once in the Old Testament. So, is it a scriptural principle? Or am I making something up? There are other phrases that have the same concept as well. So the title of the message is Unity of the Spirit. Unity of the Spirit. Looked up in Webster's uh, Dictionary on unity. It says the state of being one or oneness. Consists of parts constituting a body, but detached from other bodies. Unity is a thing undivided itself, but separate from every other thing. Agreement, uniformity, oneness of sentiment, affection, or behavior. Unity of faith is an equal belief of the same truths of God and possession of the grace of faith in like form and decree. Then unity of the Spirit is the oneness which subsists between Christ and his saints, by which the same Spirit dwells in both. And both have the same disposition and aims. And it is the oneness of Christians among themselves, united under the same head, having the same Spirit dwelling in them, and possessing the same graces, faith, love, hope, etc., How's that for dictionary definition? That's straight out of Webster, it's, uh, 1828. Uh, dictionary. Unity of the Spirit. Let me read that again. Unity of the Spirit is the oneness which subsists between Christ and his saints, 
by which the same Spirit dwells in both. And both have the same disposition and aims. And is the oneness of Christians among themselves, united under the same head, having the same Spirit dwelling in them, and possessing the same graces, faith, love, hope, etc. What would be some of the opposites of unity? Disunity, which is separation. Another antonym might be division, the act of dividing or separating into parts, the state of being divided, that which divides or separates, that which keeps apart, a partition. The part separated from the rest by a partition or line, real or imaginary. Well, that was interesting. Discord, variance, difference. Another antonym could be individuality, separate or distinct existence. Individualize, to distinguish, mark as individuals, to distinguish the particular properties of a person from others. So those are things that would be the opposite of unity. As far as definition for spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit, um, which is God. You can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. A lot of verses uh, to cover. Turn to as many of them as you can. Here is where I would say our key verse comes from this passage here. I'll start reading in verse 1. Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vacation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Notice the one body, one spirit, etc. We will look a little more at some of those um, later. found a clipping here I had saved from Beside the Still Waters related to this subject. I think it was just January, February of this year. It's, it's written by the editor. Um, SC is the editor. His initials there. <clears throat> unity of the Spirit or the Spirit of Unity. We face the temptation to discard long-suffering and forbearance. We then seek out those who hold popular views that match our own and claim the spirit of unity and rally around the cause while isolating ourselves from those who see it a bit differently than we do. This is contrary to what the Holy Spirit desires to effect through us. 
The spirit of unity encourages us to build walls of contempt in the midst of the church and thus prevent the spirit from unifying us and working through us. The unity of the spirit, on the other hand, describes the result of the Holy Spirit bringing believers from all walks of life together. The Holy Spirit provides an internal and resilient bond between Christ and his church. As believers and followers of Christ, our vocation is to walk with compassion for those who are in bondage to sin and Satan. We are not called to fulfill our duty through political influence, nor by force. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, 2 Corinthians 10.4. We have an awesome opportunity as chosen warriors of our king to employ our weapons of prayer, compassion, forgiveness, and meekness in the warfare that is raging in the world around us. The witness of the Holy Spirit dwelling in the heart of Christians will call others to join us in victory. Christians can be assured of victory. We have the promise from Christ that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. Matthew 16:18. We are the bride of Christ. He is coming back for us someday. He has given us responsibility to build his kingdom. We must not let the spirit of unity replace the unity of the spirit. Back to our verses here in Ephesians. Um, Ephesians 3 here, our um, key verse here, um, talks about keep, to keep the unity of the Spirit. That is a present infinitive. It refers to continuous or repeated action. Okay, so it's not just a once and done thing. It's something we need to keep on doing. To keep the unity of the Spirit. Uh, unity um, would be oneness, unanimity. So I looked up unanimity in the dictionary. It means an agreement of a number of persons in opinion or determination. That's from Webster. So a oneness, um, a joining together. And it's interesting there that it talks about doing this in the bond of peace. Bond there is a joint or ligament. It's a uniting principle. Um, also used as band. I recently heard a brother refer to it as a belt or a girdle. Uh, that which keeps things together. So as we endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit... It's supposed to be done in, in the bond of peace. Okay, turn to Ephesians 4, verse 13. This is the other verse in the New Testament that uses the word unity. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There it talks about coming to the unity of the faith. Okay, so there again, it's something, um, it's not just unity and people agreeing on a certain thing. It's unity of, of the faith, unit, uh, truth unto God. 
unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In my Bible, Ephesians 4 here is titled Oneness. Um, Brother John preached some on that uh, last year. I'm not sure if that's the time he mentioned it or not, but I have marked in my Bible um, verses 11 to 16 as being the heart of Christ for his church. So those verses talk about how God uses different gifts in the body to bring us to maturity to increase and edify the body. So you can go back and listen to that message if you want to hear more on that. But as we mature and become more like Christ, we should become more unified. Individuals are individual or separate. But as we become more like Christ, then that's what makes us become more alike, become more unified. One other place that unity is used is in the Old Testament. I'll just mention that verse, Psalm 133, 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So that's all the verses in the Bible that use the word unity. It's those three. Two in the New Testament, one in the Old. Unity is oneness. It can refer to one mind. So let's look at some verses with that principle. So what passages might you think of next um, where you would think of that, of being of one mind? I think of Acts. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Most of these verses I have here all come from uh, the same Greek word for the with one accord. It's the way it is mentioned uh, most times here. Turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. This word here, uh, with one accord, is, comes from two words, homos, which means same, and domos, which means mind, so of the same mind. Uh, it occurs 11 times in the New Testament, 10 are in Acts, and one of them is in Romans. Um, okay, chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Okay, now this with one accord here is a different word. Um, this one here means they were um, physically together in one place. Well, the other verses were talking more of being the same mind. And the rest of the verses here we're going to look at are also these ones of the same mind. Chapter 2, verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So here we see they were daily with one accord. Chapter 4, 
verse 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art the God which has made heaven and earth and sea and all that is therein. Um, here they were seeking God. Uh, they were one, of cor- one accord as they were seeking God. Uh, chapter 7, verse 57. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. Okay, now this wasn't, was not good what was happening here, but it's the same word. They were united. They were of one mind. When Stephen shared his testimony here, they all went after him uh, together. They, they were united in, uh, in stoning Stephen. Chapter 8, verse 6. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Before we talked about some of the believers being in one accord, here we see the people listening um, with one accord uh, gave heed uh, to what was being taught, taught them. Uh, Chapter 15, verse 25. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Here the um, church, the leaders, whatever, here we united in in what they were doing and sending out um, people here. They were united in that together, of one mind. And then uh, Romans 15, 5. Let's look at that one yet. is also where this um, of one mind is used. Here it's actually translated as with one mind. Romans 15, 5 and 6. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there in verse 6 where it says, um, with one mind. That's uh, the same word as uh, with one accord that we were looking at um, before. <clears throat> okay, now let's look at some verses that talk about being one. Similar concept, but but uses different Greek words. Go back to Acts again, Acts 4. Acts 4, verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Here we see they were of one heart and one soul. 
What had happened just prior to this? Let's back up and look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. What does it take to be filled with the Holy Ghost? One thing is we need to be emptied of ourselves. There has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. A.T. Pearson, pastor, missionary, and writer. There has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. Another quote here. I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. That's D.L. Moody. I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. Now, none of those are scripture. They're men's observations, but that's what they observed. And there's probably a lot of truth to it. Turn to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 17. Four verses that talk about being one. First Corinthians ten seventeen. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. See, being many different people and yet um, being one. And First Corinthians twelve twelve. First Corinthians twelve twelve to fourteen. Here we see one body, but with many members. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit. Are we all baptized into one body? Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So here we see, no matter what your background, no matter what your past is, through Christ and his spirit can all become one. One body. Romans 12, verse 16. Romans 12, 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Be of the same mind one towards another. Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5. 
My Bible has this titled, Exhortation to Be Like Christ. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Here we see love of one mind, humility, others first, having the mind of Christ. Turn back to 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Eight and nine. First Peter three, eight and nine. Finally, be ye of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but countrywise blessing, knowing that ye are there unto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Here, this word of, of one mind in this passage means like-minded, harmonious. It's the only place that's used in the um, Bible is here. Like-minded, harmonious. And there, after that, it talks about having compassion one of another. It's the only place this is used as well. Um, it means having a fellow feeling. A feeling for your fellow pilgrim. Sympathetic. Suffering or feeling the like with another. So you get the, the idea of being in this together. Being like minded, um, caring about each other. There are many groups who are united on things that are not true. But we are to be united by the word of truth and aided by the Holy Spirit. So let's look at some verses on that. Turn to John 16. It's the Spirit that guides us into all truth. Um, We'll see how sanctification draws us together. John 16, verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. 
Go over to chapter 17, verse 17. Seventeen to nineteen. Um, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. So the truth changes us. So that we can be drawn together. And we come from our various um, ideas and differences and whatever. But as we all, the more we come to the truth, the more we are drawn together. The more we are sanctified, um, the more unified we can become. Ephesians 2 verse 13. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one, and hath broken down the wall of partition between us. Here he's talking to the Jews and the Gentiles. But that should apply to us too. Because of the, some that were far off are now made nigh because of the blood of Christ. He is our peace that has broken down the wall of partition or the differences uh, between us. Drop down to verse 19. Ephesians 2 verse 19 to the end of the chapter there. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for habitation of God through the Spirit. And the thought came to me that if we want to be part of this holy temple unto the Lord, we need to draw near. A stranger and a foreigner is out there somewhere. That says that's what you once were in the past. But to be built together for a habitation of God through the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. 1 Corinthians 1.10 1 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. To be perfectly joined together, it needs to be in something that's solid, something that's stable, something that doesn't change, something that's true.
Okay, what are some things that we can look at to make this happen? How can it happen in relating to one another? How does this work out in our lives? Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Read verses 1 through 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. After we've been made nigh by the blood of Christ, being born again, Offering our lives as a living sacrifice is an ongoing part of salvation. Here it tells us not to be conformed to this world. The things of the world are enmity with the things of God. They are not the things that will unite us. We're supposed to be transformed by a renewed mind. And then it brings out the part here of humility, as was mentioned about Gideon in our devotions. Pride is not part of the crucified life. The world is all about me, my ego, my whatever. It causes all kinds of contentions and strife. Drop down to verse 9, Romans 12, 9 and 10. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. Here we see we're supposed to love without hypocrisy, to be genuine. Abhor evil. Cling to good. Go away from evil. Go towards Christ. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Even to the point of giving preference to one another. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. Turn over to Romans 14, 19. Romans 14:19 Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another Pursue the things that make peace Do those things that we can do to edify each other which means to build up to build each other up encourage one another 1 Peter 
22. First Peter 1:22 Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently Here we see we have our first of all have our our souls purified by obeying the truth as mentioned before, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. That's what we want to be united around. And then it goes on to sincere love for your brothers with a pure heart. Earnestly. Earnestly. There's many verses that talk about love. We turn yet to First uh, John 4.19. So I have a couple here. First John four nineteen to twenty one. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? This commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Back up to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, starting at verse 12. Colossians 3, 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3.14 there, uh, in the RSV says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And that word there, bond, um, that's that word we had talked about before, that band, that band of peace we talked about before. Here's talking about a band of uh, perfectness, a band of uh, completeness. Yeah, a band of completeness here. And Philippians one twenty seven. Philippians one twenty seven. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, 
that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So here it's all about standing fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. This striving together means to wrestle in company with. To wrestle together. To, to do this. To seek jointly. To strive together. To labor with. All right, now we come to the best part, the part I referred to as the witness part, being a witness. As the Spirit guides us into all truth, as we lay down our lives as a living sacrifice to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we grow closer together. Then we come to what the result is to be, that the world may believe. Turn to John 17 again. Brother Tim had shared a message um, in the past from which I've written in my Bible. Uh, some points that he brought out was, he said, number one is personal sanctification. Two is corporate unification. And three is global proclamation. And we talked about up there 1717, about the sanctification, sanctifying us personally uh, through the truth, through the word. And then later here, we'll see in verse 21, it talks about then us being unified. And then it talks about the world believing. John 17, 21 to 23. That they all, this is Jesus, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me. And I am thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they be made perfect in one that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them and hast loved me. John thirteen thirty five says, says it this way, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. <clears throat> I just recently heard a story that was shared about a church in Honduras. They had people from, I think it was Indiana and Canada, two different places. They had a lot of people move there to start a church there. Uh, I think they had pretty many families there at a time. 
Um, there was a lot happening. There's a lot of people were getting uh, born again, were getting saved there. The church was growing. The church was prospering. They faced lots of hardships. They had robbers, um, different troubles like that and things that they faced. But they began to not be able to get along. They're from two different different groups, and I think that was the biggest part of it, maybe. They didn't they began to see those things that began to cause strife and contention between them. Eventually all the pastors left. <clears throat> this man was saying that his father went back years later to the spot where the church was, where the podium was, was a basketball net. He said his father cried and cried. <clears throat> it was once a glorious church, prospering. Many people were coming to the Lord because of it. But they got to the point that they among themselves could not. I think that was, I don't think they were talking about the nationals. I think they were talking about the people that had moved in. Um, could not get along. <clears throat> If you want to hear it better as it was shared, it's on uh, Burns' website. The man that had shared that at the Kingdom uh, Discipleship. Another um, article I have here from um, <clears throat> Beside the Still Waters again. The half has not been told. Behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me, for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. When the queen of Sheba heard about Solomon's wisdom and the glory of his kingdom, she came to find out for herself if the report was true. What she saw was so amazing that there was no more spirit or breath in her. And she spoke the words in the key verse. The queen was overwhelmed not only by the great wisdom of Solomon, but also by his magnificent buildings and remarkable order in the banquet that was prepared for her. She even took notice of the elegance of the servants and the happiness with which they served King Solomon. The queen blessed the king and also the god of the king when she observed how he had prospered the kingdom. As I consider this account, I think of the Church of Christ. The church is described as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter 2.9 What a high calling! What a tremendous opportunity to represent the glorious virtue of the new life in our Savior. God has given us the lofty privilege of being a showcase of his glorious kingdom. We are to demonstrate the great riches of his grace and to show the world his wondrous mercy and great love. 
So what do people observe when they look at our church? Can they see, clearly see the wondrous beauty and splendor of Christ's kingdom? Is their response one of awe and wonderment when they see the inside life of the church? The glory, wisdom, harmony, and joy of God's people should be so impressive that observers say, observers say truly the half has not been told. You know, the Sanford Uter. In conclusion, <clears throat> I'm not preaching at you. I am one is among you. We are in this together. I want to practice what I preach. I do not want to expect anything of you that I'm not willing to do myself. I want to go before to set a good example. This may have been an overview. It doesn't answer all the practical questions of fleshing it out in real life. But I think if we start with some of these principles, it will go a long way. Too many times when the glory of the Lord is departed from the church, it's because of uncrucified flesh. I'd like to close with the words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians. The grammatical notation of instructions he gives here, or a present imperative, which is a command to do something in the future, and involves continuous and repeated action. So it's not a once-and-done thing. This is an ongoing process. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. He says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. The God of love and peace shall be with you. Verse 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.